Magic is what happens when you find balance between method and madness, science and art. Welcome to the Magic Maker Podcast, the place where entrepreneurs who want to find magic can access aha moments and simple steps to big dreams. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith, but you can call me Nick. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome back, Magic Makers. Today, we are talking about a topic that was a huge aha for me. It's something I would tell clients and would help them do, but really struggled to do for myself. And that is this idea of how to finally discipline yourself into consistent action. And spoiler alert, it's not actually discipline that's going to do it. Now, This topic again dives into a place that you might feel is quite a bit woo-woo, but since we're all magic makers, we're cool with that. (laughs) But I just wanted to share that this is so important to me and I'm putting it at the beginning of the season because this has been the one fundamental shift that has really created great results for me in my business and in my life. And the beautiful thing about it is unlike discipline, it gets easier over time not harder, because it's not based on willpower and it's not based on punishment. So I encourage you to listen to this podcast with an open heart and an open mind and maybe even a little willingness to take a little action right after you listen to really think about how you can apply this in your own life. Because as I say in this episode, this is the one thing in 13 years of being an entrepreneur that has really created amazing results for me in multiple businesses and in my life. So I'm really excited to share it with you. I'd love to know what you think. So feel free to hop over to the Magic Maker Facebook group. It's Magic Makers HQ on Facebook. And tell us what you think about this whole concept. I'd love to know your thoughts. I also want to let you know that just last week, we announced our 2019 retreat for cause-driven entrepreneurs. This is for you, Magic Makers. It is called the Magic Makers Retreat. It's in Mexico, January 12th through the 18th. And it is going to be amazing. We're going to focus on the topic I discuss in this episode a little bit, as well as tons of other valuable stuff, including the five laws of entrepreneurship, marketing planning to really kick your year off and help you have a transformational year of growth and success. This retreat also includes a 12-month mastermind with me and an intimate group of magic makers. So definitely go check that out. You'll see the link for this retreat in the show notes. You can also just go to jnicolesmith.com and scroll down and there's a link to it on the homepage. Okay, without further ado, let's dive in. I really hope that you're able to absorb this episode today and get something from it. I really want to see you love yourself into consistent action and the results you're looking for. Let's make some magic, shall we? Discipline, by its nature, is force, punishment. To be disciplined is to be punished. It's a verb, and if you look it up on dictionary.com, you'll see three different short definitions. The first one is to train by instruction and exercise, drill. 
The second, to bring to a state of order and obedience by training and control. The third, to punish or penalize in order to train and control, correct, chastise. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have been trying my whole life to be more disciplined, believing that basically I'm an absolute failure at taking enough of the right action at the right time. I've built constructs and entire businesses, in fact, to force myself to be more disciplined. We probably all have our own definitions of discipline, but for me, it basically means finishing what I start, not procrastinating, using more willpower more often, and just doing the stuff I find impossible to do. So what is all of that stuff really if you're to like examine it under a microscope? What actually is driving all that procrastination, perfectionism, and stalling? It's fear. It's feeling inadequate. It's desperation to be fundamentally different than we are right now. So to really get to the heart of the usefulness of discipline, we have to answer these questions. Does discipline ease or eliminate fear? Does discipline heal feelings of not enoughness or inadequacies? Does discipline create change? Well, the first two are obvious no's. Discipline does not ease or eliminate fear, and it definitely does not heal feelings of not enoughness. But it's the third one that's kind of tricky and has led us to believe that discipline is useful. Disciplined, consistent action can lead to change. If you look at the words used in the description of being disciplined that I mentioned at the beginning, you'll see words like drill, order, obedience, control, punish, penalize, correct, chastise. Do these things create change? Sure. When you're forced to be obedient and punished when you're not, you're likely to change your behavior. Real examples of successful discipline are pretty easy to spot. How about military basic training, which by the way is my worst nightmare, (laughs) or old school methods of dog training and horse training. Although different in their specific techniques and subjects, these extreme traditions have one objective in common, which is essentially to break the spirit of the soul they're training in order to exert consistent control over them. How do they break their subjects? Extreme fear-based training techniques using physical and psychological pain as tools. Now, luckily for most of us humans, we're in charge of our own destiny. And we have a choice to subject ourselves or not to being broken. And yet, in our own internal narrative, we're using these techniques all the time. This seems counterintuitive since really our desire is to be the opposite of broken, but to be whole and to have the opposite of a boss or a master. We crave freedom. And for the most part, we seek physical and psychological ease and pleasure. These are the things that make us happy. These are the things that we should define success with. Not just for humans, but for all living things. We all deserve to be free, at ease, and happy. But we continue to force, punish, and break ourselves because we've been raised on several myths about happiness. That our happy will arrive once we fit perfectly with society's expectations. Have the perfect hair, eyes, skin, body, car, house, career. Be the perfect parent, partner, friend. Find our creative self, travel the world, and care expertly for our aging parents. All at the same time. (laughs) And you guessed it, we're taught that we will acquire these things, we will become these things by suffering. 
by being more disciplined. Disciplined to have enough willpower to starve ourselves properly to fit into that next size down or suffer through enough indignity at work that we can just make it to that next pay grade or bonus or force ourselves into more tasks or more hours in our own businesses to prove that we can do it, that we care, that we're giving it our all, to pretend we're not hurting in our minds and in our relationships so we don't risk being different or alone. Sounds like heaven, right? Totally. Sign me up. (laughs) No. No, the constructs of the first world that we live in do not lead us easily to happiness. And discipline is one of the chief lies of that deluded fantasy. Now, I know what you're thinking. (laughs) What's the alternative? All I can think of when I think of like a lack of discipline is other people's obnoxious, unruly children or pets. And let's be honest, Our obsession with disciplining ourselves as adults definitely comes from having been taught about discipline firsthand as a kid. The opposite of discipline is not chaos. And what about us entrepreneurs just trying to get more done in less time to make more money? We just have to figure out a way to work a bit harder or clone ourselves or find more hours in each day, right? Surely we need discipline for that. Well, no, actually we don't. Discipline is actually counterproductive. What we need to do instead of forcing ourselves into action or breaking our own spirit is to focus on setting ourselves up for success and rewarding our small wins instead of punishing ourselves for falling short. Sound too woo-woo for you? Well, let's look at this excerpt from Harvard Business Review, which explains why. Neuroscience suggests that when it comes to motivating action, For example, getting people to work longer hours or producing star reports. Rewards may be more effective than punishments. And the inverse is true when trying to deter people from acting. For example, discouraging people from sharing privileged information or using the organization's resources for private purposes. In this case, punishments are more effective. The reason relates to the characteristics of the world we live in. To reap rewards in life, whether it's a piece of cherry pie, a loved one, or a promotion, We usually need to act, to approach. So our brain has evolved to accommodate an environment in which often the best way to gain rewards is to take action. When we expect something good, our brain initiates a go signal. This signal is triggered by dopamine neurons deep in the midbrain that move up through the brain to the motor cortex, which controls action. In contrast, to avoid bad things, poison, deep waters, untrustworthy people, we simply need to stay put, to not reach out. So our brain has evolved to accommodate an environment in which we often, though not always, the best way not to get hurt is to avoid action altogether. When we anticipate something bad, our brain triggers a no-go signal. And these signals also originate in the midbrain and move up to the cortex. But unlike go signals, they inhibit action sometimes causing us to freeze altogether. Even in situations where real danger is imminent, the freeze response often precedes the flight or flight response that might follow it, like a deer in the headlights. So what I find so interesting about this, the bit that we can control in all of this is that we can set up a system where we can anticipate rewards for taking action, therefore encouraging action and hopefully seeing more of it. Why? Because we can control the rewards. Additionally, we need the desire for that reward to be stronger than our desire to do nothing 
because of our fear of a negative outcome. Now, for most of us entrepreneurs, that fear isn't (laughs) a deer in headlights. It's not big monsters or deep waters or poison. It's way scarier things like failure, criticism, judgment, and just plain old not being good enough. This concept is called operant conditioning. It's a method of learning that occurs through rewards and punishments for behavior. Through operant conditioning, an individual makes an association between a particular behavior and a consequence. So we know giving rewards works to encourage more of the behavior that's been rewarded, but the punishment also works in order to reduce unwanted behavior. However, there are many problems with using punishment, including the fact that punished behavior is not forgotten, it's suppressed. So the behavior returns when punishment is no longer present. And punishment causes increased aggression, shows that aggression is a way to cope with problems. Punishment creates fear that can generalize to undesirable behaviors. So instead of just fear of the thing, we could be scared of all the things that go along with the thing. And punishment does not necessarily guide towards desired behavior. Reinforcement tells you what to do. Punishment only tells you what not to do. So there are plenty of studies out there about the how and the why of all of this, not just with us entrepreneurs, of course, but with regular adults, kids, and animals too. But what does this mean for us? Well, we know that discipline is a form of negative reinforcement or punishment. And we know that neither negative reinforcement or punishment are as likely to get us to the place we desire as a positive reinforcement or reward. But how do we actually turn that into action or habits that help us see real results? I believe as an entrepreneur, it's in our best interest to create a four-part cycle which becomes ingrained in our workday, our week, and eventually our life. And it looks like this. Number one, love. Positive reinforcement and rewards. Number two, boundaries setting expectations and rules. Number three, communication, including reflection and correction. And number four, action. Now, the first part is what I want to focus on today, although we will cover the rest as well. Last week, I shared a really personal story about this concept of positive reinforcement and love. But the first part of this positive reinforcement for our small milestones is about giving ourselves rewards. Now, although superficial treats like food or buying ourselves a gift, taking a walk, or meeting a friend for lunch are all nice rewards, what I've found to be more effective are mementos of genuine self-love. I know (laughs) this sounds annoyingly fluffy, but the reality is that the feeling at the root of our ability to get more done and feel more pride and happiness about our accomplishments and play well with others in work and in life, is to practice and not just think about, but actually practice self-love. Reinforcing our belief that we are lovable, valuable humans worthy of praise and success has been the number one productivity hack I've ever tried. And trust me, (laughs) in 13 years of entrepreneurship, I have tried it all. The most effective rewards you can give yourself are genuine acts of self-love big or small, it doesn't matter. But it's important to note that not all rewards are equal. So although in a pinch, the odd bit of chocolate or glass of wine or a luxurious purchase can be very motivating, you want to be careful about choosing rewards that are actually loving and not some subversive form of punishment. What do I mean by that? 
Well, the difference between a real act of self-love and punishment masquerading as a reward is the way you feel afterwards. Sugar comas, hangovers, guilt, and financial worries can dump us straight back into self-loathing. So you want to work on picking the rewards that are truly loving for you based on the pleasure they will bring during and after. Everyone is different here. I know people who use food and sweets as a reward, which I don't do simply because I'm trying to break the association for myself of food as a reward. But I'm happy to use an evening cocktail as a reward, whereas other people who've struggled to keep their drinking under control would want to avoid using alcohol as a reward. If you're working on getting more balance back, you may want to avoid using anything that you're easily addicted to as a reward. Depending on your unique journey, this may include things like shopping, exercise, gambling, food, alcohol, work, gaming, your phone, and even communicating with certain people. You'll know which of these are triggers for you and avoid using them as rewards if you can. If you check out the show notes, you can grab a checklist of rewards I put up there in case you need a little help coming up with some acts of self-love. I definitely did when I first started doing this. I use things like a hot bath, buying fresh flowers, cooking a, a nice meal with real food in it. These are things that actually work for me. I also love taking a walk with the dog and just giving myself some downtime. This may be slow and challenging work, but keep in mind, these beliefs have probably been hanging around with you since early childhood. So be gentle with yourself as you sink into trying to root them out. But don't wait. Start now. I'll link to a few books in the show notes as well that have really helped me start this work for myself. I know it will be easy for you to brush this off as not for you or not a priority or I'll start next week. (laughs) And you'd probably much rather just get a marketing hack for how you can double your Instagram audience or a productivity tool that will finally help you get through your to-do list every day but I promise you, this is it. Being kind and empathetic with ourselves instead of hateful drill sergeants is how you get there. Now, the self-love journey will be ongoing and it does get easier as you go. But as you begin to treat yourself with love, you'll soon discover the second part of this cycle, boundaries. An absolutely essential part of getting more comfortable in your own skin, in your own business, is setting boundaries with yourself and especially with other people. This is what allows us to create the safe spaces for our growth and for our needs. Instead of looking to punish or discipline yourself, look to create some hard lines for yourself that you just don't cross. This can include things like work hours or days off, or perhaps making things you enjoy in the morning non-negotiable, like a workout or writing time or a leisurely cup of coffee. Believe it or not, setting and respecting these boundaries are acts of self-love. It's you proving to yourself in small and big ways that you deserve respect and care. Next week, I'll discuss the graceful no and how to set these boundaries with other people. But it does start with your ability to set them for yourself. Pick one thing that's non-negotiable in your daily routine and start setting a hard boundary for yourself. Each time you love yourself enough to hold that line, you'll love yourself a little more. This is how growth happens. You'll probably also find that the byproduct of this boundary setting and honoring is a better mood, more energy, and all of a sudden you'll be getting through your work with ease. The third part of our cycle is communication. 
a critical part of growing your self-love and increasing your boundary setting and honoring is being able to communicate with yourself and others. Like I mentioned, we'll dive more into this next week, including that ever awful how to say no question. But as you go along, not only talking about what's going on with you and avoiding the temptation to withdraw and figure it out all by yourself, but also to explore outlets like journaling and even seeking out conversations with professionals like counselors, healers, coaches, and mentors will help. Not only will it help you figure out what you think and feel, but it will also allow other people who have more perspective to help keep you grounded and encouraged. And they will be very good at reminding you to celebrate those little wins when you'll be tempted to ignore or dismiss them. The fourth part of our cycle is the one you've been waiting for, action. One of the best ways to instantly feel better about the things you're stressing about is to do something, to take action. Plus, all this in-the-head stuff is great and super important. But at some point, you're going to have to actually do stuff. The beautiful part about this whole cycle, though, is that by the time you've gone through the first three, action will feel easy. This is how you'll access that mythical flow more often. This is how you'll do 10 times as much stuff in half the time. This is the part where you're really going to see the results of this inner work. But the difference is that now you're loving yourself through it instead of hating or forcing or punishing yourself. It will happen because you want it, not because you have to. Plus, don't forget that when you take that action, get that thing done, make those strides, achieve those results, you reward those little successes and the cycle begins all over again. Okay, so let's review. That cycle again is number one, self-love and positive reinforcement. This is rewards, little acts of self-love. Number two, boundaries, setting expectations and rules. Number three, communication, including reflection and correction. And number four, action. Now, I know what you're thinking. Isn't all of this so selfish? (laughs) Well, annoyingly, this is the key to it all. Learning to love yourself more than anything else. And it might feel selfish. This is the essential answer to having more, doing more, caring better, selling more, and serving more fully. But I know when you hear it or read it, you'll probably hate it. It will feel selfish and it probably will sound impossible. And I felt the same six months ago, (laughs) even though I would have read the same advice like a hundred times. But I can tell you from just a few short months of applying and living in this cycle, which, by the way, is way hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to take longer than you'd like. But what I found in these short months is that after a lifetime of trying to force, shove, and punish myself into submission, treating myself with love and putting myself first over anything external is working. I'm doing more. My work is more rich. I'm showing up for my clients wholly. I'm managing multiple businesses and the ups and downs of entrepreneurship with less panic and anxiety. I'm a more kind and present wife and doggy mama. And I've got so much more patience and love to go around. I'm treating my body better in return. It's slimming down. It's pain-free. My skin and nails look great. And suddenly, out of nowhere, like some sort of magic spell, I have time to do things like exercise and shop, plan, and cook healthy food. It's like, some sort of crazy miracle. You know what? It doesn't feel hard anymore. 
It just keeps getting easier. The more we give in to the cycle, the better we feel, the more we get done, and the more pleasant we are to be around. All you have to do is decide right now to let go of discipline. Never again will it be on your list of words for the year or goals or things you wish you were better at. Trade it out for self-love and not just your business, but your whole life will improve. That's it for episode seven of the Magic Maker podcast. Welcome to the headquarters of entrepreneurs who want to do good, be real, find happy, and build brands that matter. We are thrilled that you are here. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or another streaming service, you can check out the show notes and links for this episode at www.jnicolesmith.com slash podcast. That's the letter J, N-I-C-H-O-L-E, smith.com slash podcast. Next week, we'll be diving into the graceful no and how to communicate your needs even when you're scared they're going to make you difficult or unpopular. This is a key part of becoming a more confident leader, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. Of course, we would be grateful if you'd be willing to invest a few moments of your precious time by giving a review to this podcast on iTunes so we can reach more magic makers and help them too to change their lives and the world. We'll see you next time.